Delve into a world of words with books and beyond. A podcast made especially for audiobook lovers. I came into the world as the youngest of five children. I wondered children. what Her Majesty would be like. Fie upon you, limpid one. Why have you taken... Immerse yourself in gripping stories and timeless classics from the comfort of your own personal space. Sun Tzu underlined three points on the context game initiative. There was initiative. no better wine and not to mention... The Whether you're a bookworm or a casual listener, our carefully curated selection of audiobooks will transport you to new worlds and stir your imagination. Subscribe to Books and Beyond and start your audiobook adventure now on radio.cgtn.com or your favorite podcast app. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. This is He Yang. Recent times have seen Earth grappling with a series of natural calamities, from raging wildfires to devastating floods and scorching heat. We at Roundtable have always kept a watchful eye on our Earth's well-being. These events are poignant reminders of climate change and the urgent need for action. This week, we revisit some of our most thought-provoking discussions with a common thread of pressing climate issues. Join us for a special selection of shows this week, each offering unique perspectives and solutions to tackle the existential challenges ahead for all humankind. The Big Apple became the Big Orange recently as the sky over the New York City plunged into a deep hazy orange color and the city topped the list of the world's worst air pollution due to smoke from Canadian wildfires. We're also enduring the hottest summer in different parts of the globe. Livestock, crops and power grids are all expected to be affected. Are folks living in these areas ready for the impact of these heat waves? Are abnormal weather conditions, in fact, the new normal. Well, let's take, uh, let's turn our attention to New York City first. Tell us what happened and how did it happen, Li Yi? Sure. So according to data from Swiss technology company IQ Air, the New York City had the worst air quality of any major city in the world at 10 p.m. June the 6th this year. And also on June the 7th, its air quality index soared past the 400 into the hazardous range on the AQI, which is the worst category on the U.S. government's air quality tracker. It was the highest AQI number for the city since records began in 1999. And that phenomenon definitely has brought negative influence for people out there for daily life. You know, according to a recent CNN report, at least 10 school districts in central New York State canceled outdoor activities and events. And that include academic, athletic and extracurricular events, while outdoor recess and gym classes were also canceled. And also the federal Aviation Administration had halted all inbound flights to an airport in New York early afternoon, but lifted that restriction by late afternoon on June 7th. However, delays remain at the airport. And meantime, another major incident is that the UN headquarters in New York abandoned the flag raising for first time due to air pollution on June 8th. So that is all the negative 
incidents happen due to extreme weather in New York City. But I think we've observed so many different extreme weather in other parts of the world as well. Yeah, it's extremely unfortunate for anybody to endure that kind of situation.、It、almost looks apocalyptic when you know it looks like a end of world movie from a. Hollywood production kind of thing, and、uh, Josh, this has been all over the news.、Um, what what do you see as the effects that this has on New Yorkers, and also when it comes to well, these、um, extreme weather's as such, or you know, with these wildfires or the smoke of it doesn't just limit stay-in state borders as such. So tell us what you found. Yeah, there's there's a lot of effects, and they're all pretty terrible.、Um, obviously,、uh, it it can affect health first of all.、Um, yes, being exposed to pollution、uh, at any level like this can cause all sorts of、uh, terrible side effects: headaches, irritated eyes, asthma attacks, difficulty breathing,、um, and more. Particularly for those most vulnerable in society, such as the elderly,、um, children, and、um, things like this. So, and also. The long-term effects can can be even worse, obviously, over over a long period of time,、um, and this isn't even going into the effects, the mental health effects Oof, as well that,、yes. that can be caused by this. So、yeah. they're they're some of the most、uh, damaging effects,、uh, I think. Yeah, and what caused these wildfires that initiated in Canada, but you know those in New York City and also other parts of America is feeling it. Well, I think if we talk about forest wildfire,、um, there are usually three conditions that are needed. For example, like inflammable goods, the source of fire, and also the environment. And I've、uh, researched on this project、uh, on this topic, and、uh, I noticed that according to researchers, they say that because in Canada there have been a lot of extreme weather's in recent years, and and like extreme high temperature and also drought, you know. All these have like offered a best environment、uh, or conditions for wildfires, and also like thunder strike, eruption of、uh, volcanoes are also、um, the trigger of wildfires. And of course, human caused climate change.、Mm. It's a very big issue here, and it has definitely exacerbated hot and dry conditions that allow wildfires to ignite and grow. And scientists recently report that millions of acres burned by wildfires in Western U.S. and Canada、um, could be traced back to carbon pollution from the world's largest fossil fuel and cement companies. And、uh, what's even worse that I've seen reports and 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 analysts saying that you know it's estimated that、uh, the area burned by wildfires will double by the year of 2050. Whoa. That that's a lot, and also、um, I read this report、uh, saying, well, actually this is according to the Canadian、uh, Fire Department authorities, and said that these wildfires that have been burning in、uh, Canada from east to west is not going to stop. They are、mm-hmm. anticipating it to go on for months. It's out of their control. So、um, yeah,、um, they're saying that it might not be as well. What's happening in New York now is not as bad as Australia's Black Summer or San Francisco's 
day the sun didn't rise, but it's pretty bad. And um, so we're, we're already seeing immediately, you know, the smoke from the wildfires that's creating huge trouble for people. And uh, it, it can be traced back to global warming, climate change, and we are enduring another searing summer in many parts of the world. Um, Josh, could you bring us up to speed on China and the world situation? Mm, yeah. Well, since the beginning of summer, uh, one of the 24 solar terms, which falls on May 6th of 2023. Um, Li Xia. Yes, Li Xia. That's it. Right. Yeah. Um, on May 26th, 2023, uh, China and even the whole world has become hotter and hotter. Um, the temperature has reached a new high nationwide with the highest temperature in many places exceeding 35 degrees Celsius and the local temperature even exceeding 41 degrees Celsius in two places in Hainan on May 6th, which uh, has set a new record for the highest temperature ever recorded at the Hainan National Meteorological Observatory. Um, also, according to an article by the official WeChat account of China Meteorological Administration this May, by May 15th, all the top 10 high temperature cities surpassed 36 degrees Celsius in China. Moreover, according to the Central Meteorological Observatory, some areas such as the southern part of North China, the western part between the Yellow River and the Huaihe River and Xinjiang would have high temperatures above 35 degrees Celsius between June 12th and 14th, with some areas experiencing temperatures exceeding 37 degrees Celsius. I feel like I'm reading the weather. But, um, <laughs> the weatherman! <laughs> reading well. Wilson, health weatherman. <laughs> it's like I've done it before, uh, but uh, maybe well I have. Um, but yeah, um, these temperatures are pretty pretty scary actually yes it yeah. is and yeah. also around the world we're seeing this as well in other parts of south asia in uh well the u.s north america uh, as such um lee yes yeah. i think we have like similar um situation in parts of south asia and in southeast asia i mean the temperature there has exceeded 40 degrees celsius in the middle and in late april and also the west bank of canada and the northwestern parts of the states also broke the history record of the highest temperature in this period in the middle of may and that is also a potential reason causing serious wildfires in Canada's. And, uh, you know, I learned that there isn't really a solid explanation for this year's abnormal hot spring, for example, in Canada right now. But researchers are suggesting they may be linked to a natural phenomenon that is called El Nino and also La Nina. That is a challenge to my limited poor natural geography knowledge, but I tried to research on this. So basically, El Nino is a natural climate pattern in which surface seawater temperatures in the central and eastern tropical Pacific Ocean are warmer than average. And it occurs on average like every two or seven years and also La Nina is the opposite state. Mm. So to put it simple, basically warmer or colder than average ocean temperature in one part of the world can influence weather around the world. And the global temperatures typically increase during an El Nino episode and fall during La Nina. But regional effects are really complicated. And this month, El Nino is officially there. And that means things are about to get even hotter in many parts of the world. In many parts of the world, indeed, and we certainly have felt it here in China as well. Um, 
those of you, if you're、uh, a millennial,、um, then you would have definitely, well, maybe some Gen Zers too, would have remembered 1998 when there was a catastrophic flood in China, and that occurred during the、um, El Nino attenuation period. And we're also、uh, feeling. Its effect all over the world, and once it gets to that point, then it's just very, very difficult to curtail it or to 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 go back from that. And、um, especially these days when we're entering summertime, and as people kick their air conditioners into high gear, demand on the electric grid is expected to break records in. Different places in the world, and well, how can we deal with these、um, realities that we face every day? And at the back of it is essentially climate change and global warming. Yeah, well, I think that much like many many of these issues,、uh, raising awareness is one of the best things that we can do. And I think that there are quite tangible ways that we can do that. However, for example, I think introducing concepts like conservationism. The importance of environmental protection in the education system, and making that making conservation a fundamental part of education in schools, I think, is very important. The importance of of why we should recycle, for example, why we should not waste water, why we should shop sustainably, why we should manufacture sustainably, all of these things, and I think that. It's all well and good expecting people to do this, but it really starts. This is quite a、um, a foundational issue, I think, and it starts in. Education, so、mm. I think that's definitely、um, one of the most important things. I think education is definitely important. In the meantime, I think it's really important to remind people that it's not that I have I have not experienced the negative effects of this climate change. Then I'm safe, and I don't really have to do a lot of things to make the world a better place. It's not that case. It's really, you know, even if you are not experiencing that phenomenon, that wildfire, that flood right now in the region you are located. In, but someday if we don't do like anything to curb this trend, and eventually it will comes to you. So, so it's really about you know how to promote attitudes about cl- climate change and how to make really everyone to understand the urgency of this solving this problem. And、uh, I agree with Josh. Education would be a very important approach. Yeah. Um. I. I sometimes though wonder since we've been doing this show、mm. every workday.、Um, I mean, every workday. <laughs>、um, yeah, and environmental issues come up every other week. It feels,、mm. and I wonder if we've.、Um, I don't want to say too late, but I mean, it's it's asking us to take some drastic measures. It's not like what do we do tomorrow? You got to do it now. Look、yeah. at NYC. Look at everywhere around our world. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And I think sometimes the news can be so terrible, and the potential consequences of this can be presented as to us in such a catastrophic. End of the world kind of way that I think a lot of people look at it like either they're completely disassociated from it emotionally, like well that's never going to happen to me, or like you said, they're like well what can I do because no, it's just you know can, can I、uh, <laughs> jump in and defend myself a little yeah, bit? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. What can I do? You know, what、mm. can we do? Because,、yeah. um, well,、uh, as a Beijinger, I still remember,、um, yeah, with environmental issues. 
sometimes it, it, it comes back. Of, I remember when I was a teenager, I used to cycle to middle school and I put on lip balm, just, you know, mundane thing. And yeah, the, um, the sandstorm that um, plagued Beijing at the time uh, was felt by my lips. Let's just put it that way. And then things got a lot better. I know it's, it was a national initiative, even till today, to, to sort out the sandstorm issue. But decades, uh, more than a decade later, we're seeing sandstorms to revisit Beijing this spring. And when you think that, oh, it should, you know, put a stop to it, but the, the environment is changing and, um, and, and it's showing its consequences. And also when it comes to um, the, the heat, um, and we know it's coming, next week is going to be really hot if you're living in Beijing. And... I just don't know. Should I? Okay. I, I sometimes say, okay, maybe we should think about how or what we can do to change our own lifestyles a little bit. You know, does that mean that I should just endure the sweltering heat without turning on the AC? <laughs> or, or like, you know, just turn it on for a couple hours instead? Um, but then my neighbor is blasting his AC. And uh, how does that make me feel? And uh, also... Uh, should we talk about renewable energy? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of your, your thoughts as an uh, individual, a civilian, but with the environment in, in mind. I think definitely um, you have to stop the mindset that um, I don't really have to do that. Do this because my ma- my neighbor is not doing yeah, this. Yeah, forget about him. So yeah, I think <laughs> you have to start from yourself. And uh, if everyone think in that way, then I think that would just uh, constitute a better effort to really make things change. And uh, you mentioned air conditioner. I think of course in hot summer you can turn on air conditioner AC if you are really need. But I think maybe at night and early morning when the outside temperature is quite lower, mm-hmm. maybe you can just turn off the AC and open all the windows and shutters in your home so that you can really let those cool breeze enter your apartment. And in the meantime, you can also save kind of electricity and also save energy for the planet. That's something we can do. And also, I think um, workers who have to work outside during daytime, they also deserve to be protected by their companies. That's a very important issue um, because usually they are the most vulnerable people in the heat wave and in extreme hot weather. So yeah, I think there are so many things that people can really do and um, just start from today and we can make change. Yeah, I think that the point that you mentioned is quite a good one. And I think there are certain things that we cannot be expected to fully know what to do. I mean, I don't really understand how the air conditioner works. I'm not exactly sure um, if it's sustainable or if it's damaging the environment every time I put it on. And I think that um, companies and uh, regulations also have to take some responsibility here. And we have to distinguish between what we can do as an individual and a non-expert and what you know, the industry should be doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Industries, big businesses, governments, these are the big players and sometimes big emitters as well. And to uh, trace the bottom of um, global warming, climate change, a lot of it comes from burning fossil fuels. And well, 
the technology is developing fast when it comes to renewable energies.、Um, we can talk about、uh, solar, wind, and other different forms of new energies. And I think now the issue is the technology is there; is it, it exists, but implementing it it takes time, it takes money, and I'm just tired to use that. It's almost like giving them the excuse in a way. Although、mm. I know it's reality, but well, forgive me. You know, sometimes when you look at these issues repeatedly, and then you get a little bit frustrated. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, China's UnionPay has surpassed Visa with the largest market share of debit card transactions. Stay tuned to find out more on that. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Li Yi and Josh Cotterell in the studio for this discussion. According to a report published on industry platform Nelson Report, China's UnionPay has taken the global debit card market by storm, surpassing Visa in 2022 with a whopping 40% market share. It had Took more than ten years for UnionPay to capture that market. So, well, what's the news? <laughs> well, <laughs> according to Global Network Card Results Worldwide 2022, published on Nielsen Report in May. China's UnionPay surpassed Visa for the first time in 2022 in securing over 40% of global debit card transactions. And meantime, Visa's share of debit card transaction was down 82 basis points to nearly 38.7% in 2022, ranking second to UnionPay. And meantime, from 2011 to 2021, the market share of Visa's debit card transaction has dropped. From nearly eighty percent to nearly forty percent, while UnionPay's share within the payment system jumped from nearly zero to thirty-eight percent. And UnionPay International has already established partnerships with over two thousand five hundred institutions worldwide. So that means excess has successfully enabled car acceptance in one hundred eighty-one. Countries and regions while also providing card insurance services in nearly 80 countries and regions. And according to Xinhua News Agency, UnionPay cards accounted for one in every four new bank cards issued within the Asian Pacific region. So that means basically, in simple, the business of UnionPay is expanding. And a lot of people are saying that this is because the user. Of UnionPay, which are basically Chinese people, and we are seeing more Chinese travelers and tourists around the world. So、mm-hmm. that somehow promoted the usage of UnionPay business. Yeah, when you saw this story, did anything stand out for me? It was debit card. So、mm. that's a specific part of the、uh, card business. You know, it's not credit card. It's not running on credit, but as you know, how much money you have sort of put away in your bank like that. Yeah. Well, I, to be honest, it did surprise me this story,、mm. and 
I'm much more familiar with union pay than I think probably a lot of foreigners, given that I've lived in China for some time um, and also used my Chinese bank card when I go abroad. So I almost use it like a Chinese tourist, I guess, when I go back to the UK. Um, and so I'm familiar with it. And I have looked for ATMs, for example, in my own country that have the union pay symbol. But I still think for um, despite its massive popularity, evidently, um, outside of China, union pay is still pretty lesser known, I think, by mm. Westerners. Um, but it is its growth is increasingly difficult to ignore. And I think one of the reasons is because for me, when I look at union pay, it almost seems like a brand. It's it's both a network and a brand in a way. It's got debit, as you mentioned, and also there are credit and prepaid versions, right? And yes. um, it just covers so much. And so I think that might be one of the reasons why it's increasing in popularity. But yeah, still, interestingly, lesser well-known. But there are many massive companies in China. You would be so surprised how few uh, Westerners have heard of these brands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of... Uh... <laughs> understandable for yeah. the lack of a better word and it's almost like if you go to any new city or let's say any new country nowadays there are going to be a whole new batch of apps that you probably want to go to the local app store and download and it's like yeah if you're familiar with the home market then you know these um basics or we consider as basics of services that we enjoy here. And also don't forget that if you uh, live in China or you're used to um, making transactions and consumption here, then a lot of people have skipped the plastics all together and then they just use uh, the digital wallets mm. as such. So yes, I think customers today are really looking for convenient design. And usually I have to say when I use certain traditional uh, business or banking service from those traditional banks, I would say they are really not doing a good job in terms of providing smart technologies for phone applications. And it's, it can be a really major hinder, you know, to prevent more customers from using their business. And uh, I think that's some something that um, any company such as Union Pay would pay attention to if if they really want to expand their business to a larger group of customers. Yeah, what do you see as other challenges for let's say okay, Union Pay doesn't need our advice particularly, but <laughs> um <laughs> anyway, um Josh you've pointed out that, you know, as a brand is it still relatively obscure for international users and mm. uh also, you know, this is them entering a market that's traditionally quite saturated, I would say. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, what are the biggest challenges that it has to overcome to grow bigger? Well, I think one of its biggest challenges is probably also its biggest advantage, because I think one of the key advantages of union pay is that it has over its rivals is that it's deep relationships with the banking infrastructure, right? Mm -hmm. That gives it a lot of strength. But also, I guess, in many ways, it limits its ability to stay fresh, do interesting yes. things like Alipay or WeChat. You know, Alipay, when I go on this app, I can do all sorts of interesting things. Mm. I can rent a bicycle. We all know, right? It's almost infinite what you can do. And I guess that Union Pay, if it's going to maintain its mutual stand serving its member organizations, i.e. banks and financial institutions, maybe it's, it's going to struggle to do all of these other things, you know, to keep it interesting. But it seems that it's doing pretty well, though, you know? Yeah, it, it is. It does come in handy for Chinese tourists who are traveling the world. And I remember, well, 
obviously this was three years ago um, it when I was shopping in a different country and then it provided really good rates and that's all I care yep. for you know when it comes to international exchange you could be losing some money in that process and it offered good rates and I thought oh yeah this is pretty good but uh, uh, this is essentially about if the destination market is opening up to you and then, you know, it's probably asking for a similar or the same kind of uh, practice and treatment both ways. And that's essential in doing business cross borders. You're listening to Roundtable. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you so much, Josh Cotterell. Thank you. And Li Yi for joining the discussion. I'm He Young. We will see you next time. 